my mind immediately went to a specific situation. So Summer came back. Summer's our middle daughter. She came back from Texas and wanted to go out to lunch. Well, we had been out on the water all day. Greg was extremely exhausted. He hadn't slept the night before. And so I'm thinking constantly about his needs. So this is the inner turmoil and where the conflict can sometimes come out. Because I'm in my own head trying to figure out, okay, Summer wants to go out to lunch yet. She wants fish and chips. She said this whole trip, all she wanted was fish and chips. So I'm like, how can we get her fish and chips for lunch? Greg, on the other way, is, is privately expressed to me just how tired he is. And yeah. how he didn't sleep the night before. So we're going down the road, just coming off the water. And I'm thinking, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And this inner turmoil is going on. All of a sudden, before I even realize it, I'm shouting out, I can't please everybody. Like, listen, she <laughs> said it out loud. <laughs> Like nobody was talking to anybody. Everybody's quiet in the car. And all of a sudden I'm like, I can't please everybody. I look at her. I'm like, woman, (laughs) ain't nobody asking you to. Where are you at over there anyway? Wow. And so here's here's the good thing though. Like here's this inner turmoil. Nobody's aware of the inner Mm. turmoil except for me. And Greg looked at me and said to me, baby, nobody wants you to be pleasing. So what do you want to do? Hello, welcome to the Artist Balzine podcast. We're really thankful you're taking the time to listen to the show. And we're hopeful by adding this Enneagram aspect to the Artist Balzine podcast, it will encourage you and will increase your marriage momentum. The Enneagram is a tool of empathy and learning. This model of the personality allows us to grow in self-awareness, spouse awareness, and couple awareness. In marriage, the Enneagram provides an opportunity to identify patterns in the way our spouse responds and behaves and positions you to shift interactions within your everyday life, increasing strength and reducing ways that may inadvertently weaken your relationship. So on today's episode, we'll be talking with two of our great friends, Greg and Julie Gorman. They are the founders of Married for a Purpose, an international ministry to marriages. They are authors, speakers, and coaches both in the marriage and executive space. We are truly honored that they agreed to process the relationship dynamic in the light of the Enneagram. But first, we want you to hear about an exciting opportunity for your marriage. If you're looking for that one thing that could be the game changer for your relationship, then the Marriage Reboot Retreat is just for you. If you want a greater connection with your spouse, if you are tired of feeling stuck in the same old, same old, if you desire to feel the thrill of fun and discovery again, like you did when you first met, we can help. We support couples to reconnect, recharge, and re-engage to pursue their life purpose together. The Marriage Reboot Retreat by Mary for a Purpose is a private intensive experience for you and your spouse working exclusively with Lisa and I for two consecutive full days. At the end of the two days, you will walk away with a unified purpose for your marriage and a holistic vision for your marriage and family supported with a real action plan. If you would like to find out more information about the Marriage Reboot Retreat, you can set up a discovery call with James and I and we will tell you more about it. The link is in the show notes or you can direct message us on Instagram at Art Espousing and we will send you a link to schedule a discovery every call. Greg and Julie, it is really awesome to be with you guys today. You guys have become very true friends of ours, and we just love what you guys are doing with Marriage for a Purpose, and to be a part of that, and to sit down and hear your story about marriage, and also talk around the Enneagram today is really cool. So thanks for being on the show today. 
Thanks for having us. Such a great honor to be on the show today. We're excited. We love you all. Awesome. Love you guys. So uh, I want to start out by just hearing a little bit about your marriage story. And obviously, Married for a Purpose came out of the early years of your marriage. So why don't you share with us just what makes you guys who you are? (laughs) Sure. Well, I can tell you this. Our uh, marriage story is kind of a dichotomy because (laughs) we started out in our marriage almost, literally almost didn't make it. Julie and I were both married and divorced before our spouses were unfaithful. And we have very colorful upbringing and such as well, which means that when we got married, unfortunately, we drug a whole... We didn't have the Enneagram to help us. (laughs) We needed, And we needed Enneagram and a whole bunch of other help, actually. But we just had a lot of baggage, you know? Both of us did. I had horrible anger issues, and last thing in the world that I was going to have was somebody controlling me. And I was extremely insecure, jealous, and I like to try to control them. So that just didn't mix very well. (laughs) But here's the funny part. We've been doing marriage ministry since we got married. Yeah. (laughs) We were joking about it. It's like, okay, so how old were we? We were about 29, and we were having really old (laughs) 50-year-olds. It's like, oh, crud, I'm 50 now. (laughs) Well, we were put in charge of, they called it the Young Married Group. Yeah. And we were leading a class on Sunday, but like Julie said, we literally, it grew like crazy, and we had folks of all different age groups that had been married for any number of years, right? Yeah, so we saw God's hand of blessing in marriage ministry. So we've been doing marriage ministry for 23 years, been married all 23 of those years. Wow. Funny story is uh, the night after our first date, Greg looked at me, he goes, I'm going to tell you this. So not that I'm going to stalk you, don't know if it'll be this week, next week, 10 years from now, but we will end up together. And I remember thinking, you want to bet? <laughs> <laughs> I was willing to stalk you. You yeah. were, yeah. It crossed my mind. Yeah. Well, six months later, after I thought, no way, we were married in And so, again, all of that to say we had a a lot of fun. We were two Christians who loved one another passionately, but we fought just as passionately. But God stepped in, healed it. And I think the thing that caused that young married class to really thrive is that we always did life authentically. Mm Mm-hmm. And we shared the common truth that we love Jesus. We wanted him to be the center of our marriage. We just had no idea how to make that happen. And so together, we muddled through it. We have three beautiful children, all fully grown. So now we're going through a whole new transition. Congratulations. I you know. Made <laughs> we made it. Woo. You did yeah, it. But that, that whole transition of adult parenting now. Mm-hmm. That's, or That's, parenting adult children. Right? Yeah. Been an interesting season of itself. But we've learned a lot from that. And so, again, just over the years, God has used all of that brokenness and all of our dysfunction. And he's not only healed it, but then he's helped us to be able to, I think, even document and process, okay, what exactly happened that caused us to transform Mm -hmm. over the years in our own life. And we started looking for commonalities in other marriages, the difference between marriages who were just kind of surviving. Yeah versus marriages who were thriving and Mm -hmm. what the common thread was. And that's really where Married for a Purpose was born, Mm -hmm. is that we noticed that couples, individuals, period, doesn't matter if it's a nation, a business, a government, a church, or a family, if people have a common purpose and a common vision that they share, they'll rally behind that purpose and that Mm -hmm. vision and forget and put aside all of their differences in order to rally behind that vision and or that purpose. And that's really what we try to focus on in our own life, in our parenting, and certainly with the couples that we work with. I love it. I love love the fact that you said that you authentically loved one another, passionately loved. I remember when we first met you guys, 
I walked away. I was like, I don't think I've ever met anybody like them. Like that. Oh boy. Isn't that the truth? (laughs) Well, I mean, just that, like the way you guys love each other, the way you're affectionate towards each other, the way that you care for one another. Recently, we were at a meeting with you all and it hit me. I said, Lisa, I think they're the most authentic people we've ever met. Like your relationship is so authentic and you are who you are. And I think that's one of the things that we love about being around you guys. And Mm -hmm. I think that the reason you're having such impact with other couples is because of your authenticity. Yeah, it's true. Well, you know, you said you needed things like Enneagram. As we know, any tool, any assessment, any plan, any strategy is just a tool because you can just see what the evidence of what God's done in your life, that Holy Spirit speaking, nudging, encouraging, correcting, and directing you guys in your marriage is actually foundational to everything Married for a Purpose is about, any kind of tool or assessment that had helped us understand one another better. I always like to make sure people understand that Enneagram is just a tool. Yeah. Obviously, what God's word says about us, what his purpose for our marriage is trumps anything that we would think we would self discover. And so, but I appreciate us having some conversation around Enneagram and seeing how, what maybe probably some things you've, you learned intuitively or God helped you. Cause I think that's been for us is yeah. that we've grown well before we knew about Enneagram, that God's been doing a work, but we were right. able to see like, oh, that's totally my two-ness mm-hmm. connecting with James Eightness. And so then, ah, then those dynamics that worked out. With that said, I'd love to hear from the two of you, what Enneagram have you identified with most resonates with you? And I know when we walked through this, Greg, there was some challenge to you agreeing, which is so typical of your number too. (laughs) (laughs) But I would love to hear from both of you, just what number you identify with and what you resonate with. So I have to say, when we took the Enneagram, I looked at him like, can I retake the test? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, I I don't want to be a two. I want to be a seven. That's who I identify with. But the truth is, is the more that I dove into the reports that you gave me, I was like, oh crud, that is me. Yeah. So the, I'm a two mm-hmm. yeah. through and through. Yeah. So for me, it's funny because I'm glad to hear you as an Enneagram expert talk about the fact <laughs> yeah. that, you know, I kind of analyze things yeah. a little bit in this way and I don't like to be pigeonholed right. or labeled. Right. And But I resonate the most with a seven. And as I have leaned into the report and rather than trying to figure out how it's wrong, really tried to get some self-examination. I invited Julie in, like we've had several conversations about this. And I said, okay, talk to me about this. Think about me as a whole, not just me right now. Help me better identify where some of these holes are, some of these blind spots so that I know better than how to grow from that. And it's been an awesome experience and I welcome growth. So thankfully. You thought you were an eight. Everybody thinks I'm an eight. Yes. I mean, honestly, on on me, people think I'm an eight every time. And so I think there's probably some qualities there, but I think that they are maybe learned qualities too. I think everybody thinks of me as a seven, don't you? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So you're you're probably a, a wing eight, right? I yes, he, so. yes yeah. he is a wing eight, but he also has a lot of his numbers are very high in eight, which is that challenger piece. Mm-hmm. But I actually love sevens and eights and the, any combination. James is an eight, eight wing seven. You're seven wing eight. These guys are your mover shaker. You get stuff done. I love working for and I certainly love being married to anyone with those combinations because it really brings clarity and decisiveness, especially with Julie and I being both twos. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think Jesus 
Jesus was a two. (laughs) (laughs) That's That's exactly what I told her. I don't know if I can say that. That's (laughs) she was beating up on herself as she was kind of digesting the report. He did. He looked at me. He goes, "Well, I think Jesus was a two. And I said, "Yeah, but he wasn't a wimpy two." (laughs) That's right. Yeah, I can't remember. Do you remember what your wing is? It was a one. one? It's a one. So we're. we're, Oh no no no! No, no. I think she's a three. three. Yes, because that's there's a lot of differences. That's why she wants to perform as a seven. That's right. (laughs) That's right. I knew it had to come in there somewhere. (laughs) Well, I always think of you, Julie, as having. You're definitely more motivated and decisive than I am, and I've actually become very comfortable that I need probably someone around to actually kick me in the tail because these guys have kicked me in the tail. The Gormans, they did a life plan with me. And so Greg was, come on, Lisa, Lisa, dial it in, dial it in. I'm like, I can't make a decision. And so like, you can make a decision, Lisa. I believe in you. That's right. And that's exactly how it went. So y'all's dynamic together is fantastic. But I could definitely see the dynamic of seven and two in your coaching of me and, and that life plan. I'd love to know what are the big discoveries, big ahas that have come from you guys as you've leaned into your core type. I look at it. And again, I I looked at this whole process and where I would give other people grace, I looked at it from where am I not measuring up, Mm -hmm. which so indicates the aspect of it too. It's like, where am I failing? What do I need to do better at? How, How do I need to perform? How am I not measuring How up? How am I not measuring up specifically? Yeah. And so where I would give grace to everyone else, I saw flaws. So rather than seeing, oh, isn't that awesome? Somebody who really loves and wants other people. I was like, oh, am I manipulative? <gasps> I don't want to be manipulative. <laughs> and second, kind of guessed all the way through. So I think that was kind of eye-opening to me where I would celebrate anybody else's design. Mm-hmm. I was really kind of harsh mm. towards myself. Mm. So a glaring opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I think if your report had been someone else's report, you would have been celebrating mm-hmm. how awesome and loving. Yeah. If this was warm. Lisa's report, I yeah. would be going, "Oh, Lisa, you are She's the most awesome. beautiful person. <laughs> I Listen love who your- you are. Everybody needs you, Lisa." And I'm looking at it, going, "Where am I not measuring? It? Wow, that's really oh, that's right, that's right." Talk her off the ledge a little bit, a couple yeah. of times. So I think for me, maybe one of the surprises that I pushed back on Lisa when we first kind of went through this is that my primary motivator is protection and or avoidance of pain. Mm -hmm. And so I really wrestled with that for Mm. a long time. And so again, understand that the way I'm wired, I don't like to be labeled or pigeonholed. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody does. I would tend to believe that I may be even more extreme in that. But as I really dove into particularly the more raw version of myself, the stressed under pressure version of myself, the less mature version Mm -hmm. of myself. I think I can see plenty of evidence that by the grace of God, and there's probably still plenty of holes and, and gaps that I'm unaware of, but I've learned how to leverage that over the years in such a way that it just makes me more proactive. Mm -hmm. And so what it feels like to me is that my primary motivator is for a better life. Mm for a better version of myself, you know? And so I have been guilty of chasing rainbows over the years. (laughs) 
Uh, <laughs> the, the Enneagram. There is a pot of gold. I'm that's sure. right. Yeah. That's right. And the Enneagram points out that, again, that, that I'm a person of action. Mm-hmm. And so the way that I have often described myself is ready, shoot, aim. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so we've had some really good lengthy mm-hmm. conversations about just diving deeper into that so that I can better understand myself and my behaviors, again, particularly when I'm under pressure. And so I think when anybody takes a personality profile test like this, it's really easy to resonate with a lot of the positive stuff, but we really need to search and seek out and be in an emotional state to where we can receive the feedback to help us to actually grow and be able to recognize. What would you add to that, love? Well, I remember too, when I looked at it, and I think I gave pushback the night that we were unpacking it. I was like, I don't want to be led by my emotions because I equated emotions with irrationality. Mm. And that's not necessarily true. It's just with the emotions, what I needed to realize, and of course, God loves my design. God (laughs) celebrates my design. It's how he made me. And so does Greg. (laughs) But so much... Over the last few years, I can see why God gave me certain one-liners because I am emotionally charged. There were times where he would say, don't let what you don't know stop you from remembering what you do know. Mm. And the reason why that one-liner probably resonated so much is because God hit me at an emotional level of the insecurity, the fear of what's going to happen, how do we move forward, with a very strong thought that I could go to in those emotional highs or lows. So that by my thoughts, I could blend who he created me to be, body, mind, spirit. So my mind could take charge of those emotions, be led by my emotions still, be sensitive, be encouraging, be hopefully a safe place for people, Mm -hmm. while being a safe place for myself too, because what do I know? Well, I know that God's in control. I know that God is for me. I know in this season when my children are leaving the home, wait, what do I know? I I do know they love me. They're not trying to (laughs) abandon me. Right, 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 right. Right. That's good. So I had a light bulb when she was talking there. So you you mentioned when God spoke to you in a particular season, he said, don't let what you don't know keep you from remembering what you do know. And it's been something that you've come back to again, multiple times when you feel challenged by life. Yep. Uncertainty. Or your pace. Right. Mm -hmm. another one. So it's funny. And I never realized this until just this moment. But in that same season, when God spoke to me, he said to me, don't let what you can't do keep you from what you can do. Mm. Wow. And so again, I think that that points to the difference in the Enneagram styles and how God meets us where we're at and speaks to us in our own language. So that's really good. I love it. I'm thinking about you as a seven. Well, number one, they're known as the Peter Pan of the Enneagram. They're forever young. That's why everyone wants to be them. Want to be like (laughs) which is true. You're like you take care of yourself. But when when I look about avoidance of pain, you have been growing yourself for so long. So you are the healthier version. I mean, obviously, we all have more health and more growth to happen. But I feel like when I think of you and the growth that you've applied in your life, you don't avoid talking about painful things or. things that are wrong. You just want to conquer them and move on beyond them and move forward in strength, which is what sevens want to do. They want to go to what's next. Mm -hmm. They're ready to move on. But I think how it's been flipped on its head is you're going, I'm not going to avoid the things that could be causing me pain or other people pain. I'm going to deal with it, but I'm going to deal with it. And we're going to move quickly to the next thing, which I think is fantastic, which if you look at what you're doing in executive coaching, married for a purpose and coaching, 
coaching couples. That is where I think the synergy with the two of you is, is that Greg sees that and he's like, okay, let's deal with it, but let's move on. You're not going to, no one's going to be sulking, setting in anything with you very long. That's true. But then the sweet, gentle Julie's going, you know, reach out, but that is your sensitivity, which I think, you know, is a superpower of sensitivity. And so, but the kryptonite is you're sensitive, you know, so you're like learning the tensions of that. But I remember seeing you in a training one time, go over and touch the hand of someone and you're going, I'm here. This is what you're modeling how to care for. And so there's just like this empathy or this connection with people that if we weren't sensitive like that, if we weren't wired that way, we would probably be like our guys and just mow over everything and (laughs) and get a lot of stuff done. But a lot of people would be dead on the sides or at least injured. Yeah, it's true. I mean, just having that complimenting ability to not move past things so fast. Many times, Lisa, you and I will be in a conversation with somebody and I'll be ready to move on to the next thing and you'll just reach over and touch my knee. Kind of like, you need to slow down. Oh, you do you that know? too, huh? Oh, yeah. You got that cute <laughs> yeah. It's like, don't move too fast here. Pay attention because I'm constantly thinking like, we just got to move on. Let's go. I can you know? see his brain on to the next thing. I can literally see his eyeballs <laughs> going, I'm on to the next thing and I've actually checked out of all the words you're saying right now because we're ready to move on and so yeah it is it's an intensity for sure it's a beautiful balance mm-hmm. and we were talking about that like some of the things that might have been glaring opportunities i avoid conflict at all costs just about but because I've been married to Greg for these 23 years, I know, you know, those kinds of questions like, what does love require? Well, sometimes love requires the necessary conversation. Mm -hmm. And just because you don't address the elephant in the room doesn't mean the elephant doesn't exist. And so I've really learned a lot about timing. And we still go about it two different, completely different ways. I'll ask questions to land on the answer that we want, where he'll give more of the directive. And I think that's, I appreciate the combination though, because by doing this together, We've just softened one another. Yeah, that's good. Can you think of an example in conflict and communication where that works together? I'd love to think of something earlier when you say you passionately loved each other, but you also passionately fought, you know? Oh, boy. Um, Yeah, I don't know. So any thoughts in and around that of your communication style and conflict? Well, first of all, when we really dove into these reports, again, today's version of us, Mm -hmm. it's pretty cool because what I recognized is a lot of the stuff that the report was citing about me actually was true, but I don't notice it as much. And it's not an issue in my life today, not because I've grown, but because Julie makes up she fills in the gaps. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. So it, we really balance each other yeah. tremendously well. But I would say one of the reoccurring things, Julie may have a different you know, comment surrounding that question, but it's almost always been around parenting. There's been a lot of different things that's gotten us sideways over the years, particularly when we were really broken, you know, insecurities and anger and things of that nature that we talked about earlier. But I think something that even today that we still have to practice what the Enneagram reminds us about our personalities is in parenting. And so I realized specifically that Julie has a war going on inside of her Mm. a lot of times where she's got her emotions and she's got her logic and her feelings and all of these different things are really warring against. And she can see everyone's point of view and relate to everyone's point of view. And sometimes the way that I would put it is that 
causes conflict because she's trying to please everybody. Right. And unfortunately, when we try to please everybody, we probably please nobody. And we just frustrate ourselves in the process. And so we've learned, I think, through this and life handing our butt to us a a few times. I love it. That we really need to slow, slow the pace. Yeah. And we need to allow one another, particularly Julie, because she doesn't naturally form her own opinions about things. She just wants to make sure everybody else is okay. And so I'm learning to recognize that more and to pan back. And maybe if something does need addressed, to pick the right timing, first of all, I would say to be led by the Holy Spirit in that conversation and in the timing of that conversation, and then give her some space to process, because that's not generally how I operate. And so I want to pressure her to give me an answer or give me a thought, and that doesn't create a happy place. (laughs) My mind immediately went to a specific situation. So Summer came back, Summer's our middle daughter, she came back from Texas and wanted to go out to lunch. We had been out on the water all day. Greg was extremely exhausted. He hadn't slept the night before. And so I'm thinking constantly about his needs. So this is the inner turmoil and where the conflict can sometimes come out because I'm in my own head trying to figure out, okay, Summer wants to go out to lunch yet. She wants fish and chips. She said this whole trip, all she wanted was fish and chips. So I'm like, how can we get her fish and chips for lunch? Greg, on the other way, is is privately expressed to me just how tired he is. He didn't sleep the night before. So we're going down the road, just coming off the water. And I'm thinking, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. this inner turmoil is going on all of a sudden before I even realize it. I'm shouting out, I can't please everybody. Like, listen, she <laughs> said it out loud, <laughs> but nobody was talking to anybody or anything. This quiet just in comes the car, out. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I can't please everybody. I look so, at her, I'm like, woman. Hey, <laughs> nobody asking you to. Where are you at over there? <laughs> wow. And so here's, here's the good thing, though. Like, here's this inner turmoil. Nobody's aware of the inner mm. turmoil except for me. So and Greg good. Yeah. looked at me mm-hmm. and said to me, baby, nobody wants you to be pleasing. So what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. I had to pause and I had to ask myself because most of the time as a two, I'm walking around not thinking about what I want or yeah. what I need. And I was like, what do I want? I want, I want some- you to suck it up, buddy, and go out to <laughs> that. That's, like, that's it. So we took Summer out for fishing. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and Greg sucked it up. And, got and he did. And we had a great time and it went. I love this example because I actually got it right. You this got time. it right, baby. Yeah. That you doesn't right always happen. But you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to lean into this, and you know, I need to make sure that I don't make everybody else miserable because it's easy when you're in your own funk, yeah, uh, and tending to your own needs, and you know, which I think is again sometimes a, a seven's tendency to get in that vacuum. And so I did, but I was very conscious on this particular day. I'm like, I don't want to like go and uh, make have an else attitude miserable. about it, you know, or act like I'm. Tired, make sure that everybody has a good time and that nobody knows you're tired. Yeah. I love it. Really I love good. it. You know, one of the things that you highlighted it, and it's beautiful how it's fleshed out in marriage with the two of you, our sevens are known to be great synthesizers. They see a lot of information, they gather data quickly, and they can sum it up pretty fast. I mean, like in a record time of just like, I see it, here's a solution, let's move. Twos aren't known for doing that. And I, th- I would think, and sometimes in marriages, 
a seven could think they're smarter than, but wisdom and maturity and development allows you to know, because what you said is, I know that she needs more time and you're giving, so it's very respectful. That's where Enneagram helps things to be the tool of empathy to go. I'm not smarter than, I know she needs time to come along. And I love that just the tone of that really brings honor to Julie. But at the same time, you don't have to minimize yourself. And I've had to, as a two, have come to the conclusion that I'm okay okay that it takes me a little bit longer to get things. I'm not diminished by someone who thinks quicker than I do. It comes to me quicker now, but I had to actually used to remind myself, they're not smarter than me. They're just wired different than me. And so I love that because we have seen in marriages where that is a challenge. And that's not just a gender issue. It can go either way. But if someone else is a quick synthesizer, that's what I would give encouragement to. Seven, two combinations is that, and or eights, because James is a quick linker too, that it can make you feel diminished. He can do that without thinking about it. And I, of course, being sensitive, I have to be careful not to think he's diminishing me every time he thinks of something quicker. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, yes. Yes. I I really have to be mindful Mm -hmm. because I used to steamroll her Mm. and I didn't even realize it. James, have you experienced that? Yeah, and I would say too with it is like, because I synthesize things so quickly, I was just thinking of some interactions this last week that what I miss sometimes is the discernment. So I'll synthesize what the solution is, but I don't take the time to discern the emotional impact or the impact impact on people and so forth. So I think Lisa, the way you're wired, has the the high empathy, the ability to actually bring about the actual discernment along with the synthesis of stuff. So if I'll just slow down before like snapping to a thing and allow some input there. And again, I think that goes back to, you know, that we don't complete each other in marriage, but we do complement each other, Mm -hmm. right? right? And the ability to lean into both those strengths for me to be able to move quickly, but for her to also be able to see behind the veil, the things I don't see that are going to be the implications sometimes of the decisions I make. Yeah. I mean, we are married for a purpose. That's right. (laughs) I love that. We are because we are. We're blending and and you all are blending together. Well, and that's just it. It's like our designs aren't right or wrong. They're not good or bad. It's the design that God gave us. So when we can leverage one another's strengths and lean on one another's strengths and honor one another's strengths, now we're not in a competition of, well, you should do it my way. One of the things I love that Greg has done, there are times when I have a discernment, probably that intuitive feeling, and I've learned to put language to it of, I can't exactly tell you why I feel this way, but here's what I'm feeling. And then I'm able to express that feeling as a thought. He's able to discern it. He actually many times can come back and say, oh, it's because of this. And so we've been able to complement one another in that way of him trusting that discernment, that intuitiveness, or maybe what I would say, the emotion of it and not not dismissed it. I appreciate your discernment tremendously. And I didn't always. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's been a growth process for sure. But, you know, you were talking about <laughs> synthesizing things quickly. Mm-hmm. The other thing that the Enneagram pointed out that rocked me back just a little bit was that sometimes then, because I synthesize things very quickly, I may think that I am more of an expert in an area than what I actually am. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. put me in coach. I got this kind of thing, you know, and, and uh, I would say again, I wish I'd have had more awareness of that in my younger years. It would have saved me a lot of embarrassment and pain. 
yeah. you know, in truth. <laughs> yeah, don't we all? I mean, I'm glad we're not where we were, and I'm glad God's not done with us either, right? And, I, you know, the best days are always ahead of us. So, well, this has been amazing. I mean, you guys, every time we sit down with you guys, you guys just blow our minds with just who you are and excited about what God is doing through Mary for a Purpose. And we're going to put links to the website and all your resources in the show notes. If you haven't been on Mary for a Purpose's website, if you don't know Greg and Julie, we just want to encourage you listeners to get to know them. They are who they are. They're authentic, true people, and really have a lot of great content to help strengthen your marriage. So thank you guys for for being here today. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. And I would just say, James, y'all paid us such high compliments. You really have throughout this whole thing. And I would just encourage anybody, if you have not taken an Enneagram assessment and or if you've taken one, but you haven't had it debriefed by someone, get with Lisa. This has been tremendous for me. And even for someone, again, who doesn't like to be labeled or pigeonholed, I'm not one of those. I'm a little bit of everything kind of, you know, it's been incredibly insightful and very, very helpful for us, not only just in bringing ourselves up to par or, you know, competency or above in some areas where we had blind spots, but also help us to be able to capitalize too on some of the things where we have a little bit more momentum as well. That's great. Yeah. And I just want to ditto that because (laughs) I, I like resisted all of the results that I had. <laughs> you helped me to love myself. <laughs> and the other thing is, is we are such growth junkies yeah. that I was surprised at how much I learned by the way that oh, you true, yeah. specifically mm-hmm. unpacked it. And so thank you for taking the time to help us grow a little bit more. Awesome. I love working with the experts. Wow. What great people. Truly an example of a beautiful blending of personalities and how well they work together. And what a great conversation. Thanks again for listening. We'd love to hear your thoughts and answer questions you have about what we shared. You can email us at hello at artespousing.com or direct message us on Instagram at artespousing. If you found this episode helpful, please let your friends know by sharing with them. You can also help other people find the podcast by rating the podcast and leaving us a review. Hope you will join us next week. We're going to be talking about intentional intimacy. Come on, somebody. All right. Have a great weekend, and we will see you next time on The Art of Spousing. Until then, bye-bye.